Okay, I'm Maggie Snowley, and I'm the president of St. John's College, and today I'm talking to Heather Bullman, who is from the Department of Earth Sciences. So, really, what are Earth Sciences? That's my first question. Well, our perspective of Earth Sciences is uh, we look at the Earth as a system and how it functions, and we look at everything from the biosphere to the deep Earth. My area of research is looking at the oceans, which, of course, covers a large fraction of the the Earth's surface, and we look at the biology, the physics, and the chemistry in our department. So I understand you're known as a biological oceanographer. That's right. So I study the microscopic plants that live in the ocean. Um, they're called phytoplankton. Plankton is a word to, to say that they are drifters. They drift passively with the currents. So the physics of the oceans largely governs their ecology, their global distribution. So what was your background discipline? Are you a biologist by training? Yes, so I studied biology in my undergraduate and uh, in my graduate degree, although I first started as a social scientist um, in my first year as an undergraduate, and I transferred into biology after taking a fabulous mm -hmm. course in microbiology in my first year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how did you decide then to work in the ocean? <laughs> well, I. It, kind of came by chance a bit. So I started um, with a summer job working for the Canada Centre for Inland Waters in Burlington, Ontario. And there I studied plankton, the same group of, of organisms, in freshwaters. And it was totally by chance I, I got the, the summer job and I continued doing that for three years. And I participated in research cruises, very much the same as I do now. And I realized that that field work was um, really interesting. I liked the team environment on the ship. I liked going out and collecting new data and interacting with scientists from a wide variety of, of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay, so can we talk a little bit about your specialism? Um, tell us what phytoplankton are like. <laughs> okay, well, um, phytoplankton are... Um, microscopic plants. They're very similar to terrestrial plants. They photosynthesize the same as land plants. But they're very um, different in, in the sense that they are extremely small. Some of them are, are less than a micron in diameter to a couple of millimeters. And by virtue of their small size, they are energetically quite efficient the amount of photosynthesis they do in the global ocean is equivalent to all the photosynthesis done by land plants. And yet we often overlook their importance because we can't see them and we don't um, uh, have a, an appreciation of their abundance and their, their photosynthetic potential. So if we can't see them, how do we study them? That's a very good question. So there's two ways we can study them. One is to go out on ships, which we routinely do, and collect seawater, and then we can use a variety of different tools. Conventionally, we use light microscopy, but there's some that are too small to even use conventional light microscopes to look at, and we use special optical instruments. These are the, the small picoplankton, which are the smallest of the phytoplankton. The other way we can look at them is, even though they're microscopic, we can view them globally using Earth-orbiting satellites, and this is because they color the ocean. They have pigments that basically um, 
create an optical signal that we can see from, from space. And so this is a way we can monitor their distribution globally and routinely um, and use the combination of satellite data and ship data to, to look at their ecology on a global scale. Fascinating. That must be quite difficult because presumably other things in the ocean also uh, generate light. And uh, how, how do you distinguish the phytoplankton from other things that might be well, sensed? Well, it's, it's true that the optical and, and more so that the signal travels through the atmosphere, which is a huge optical signature as well. And in terrest terrestrial, um, uh, well, coastal waters, for example, uh, are laden with all kinds of different optical um, substances that can, can interfere with the phytoplankton signal. But in the open ocean, most of the color, variability in color is actually due to the phytoplankton. There's very little other optically active components. Even other detritus or dissolved material co-varies with the phytoplankton and is likely a product of their mm -hmm. growth and decay. I see. Okay. And, and do, do, what feeds on these plants? Do, 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 do. So basically, we, we call them zooplankton. So they're the animal component of the plankton. Mm -hmm. They um, are very important in determining the fate of the carbon being photosynthesized by the plants. They basically eat the phytoplankton and package them uh, through their fecal pellets, allowing the, the carbon being fixed by the phytoplankton to sink to depths in which it's out of contact with the atmosphere. So they, they play a very important role in the biological pump. So the zooplankton play a very important role in regulating the phytoplankton mm -hmm. in the oceans mm -hmm. and also the fate of the, the carbon being fixed by the phytoplankton. So I understand that there's some, or perhaps um, concerns, perhaps controversial concerns about the abundance of phytoplankton and the possibility that they may be being reduced with uh, the oceans warming up. Is this? That's true. So the, one of the effects of the increase in atmospheric CO2 is that it is potentially warming the surface ocean. This leads to the surface waters being more less dense than the deep ocean. So it acts to reduce the mixing between the surface and the deep. And why this is important is that the deep ocean is a reservoir for nutrients. So this impedes the nutrient supply back to the surface where the phytoplankton grow. So global warming is believed to cause the oceans to become more oligotrophic or nutrient poor. And this will have impacts for the phytoplankton. And then, of course, if the phytoplankton aren't as productive, this will have effects on other marine organisms and their growth and, and reproduction. Mm -hmm. Does your research have any direct implications for our understanding about global warming? Well, yes. So one of the things we're, we're examining is, is, is the global contribution of phytoplankton to photosynthesis, but also this role of the biological pump, this export of the carbon being fixed by the phytoplankton into the deep ocean, the ocean interior. So this biological pump, uh, its efficiency, how it's going to respond to future climate change is something that we're studying. Mm -hmm. And in particular, we're also looking at regions of the ocean that are particularly vulnerable 
to climate change, such as the Arctic, where we have a warming that will lead to a reduction of sea ice. This can lead to uh, very rapid changes in the communities of, of Arctic phytoplankton and their role in, in the carbon cycle. Mm. Very interesting. Um, so I've read a little bit about the, this remote sensing of phytoplankton, uh, which you, you also describe. Can you just perhaps tell me what this has enabled you to achieve that couldn't have been possible before? Okay, so before we, we conventionally went out on ships um, to study the phytoplankton, and a ship expedition gives you a snapshot of what's going on. So you can see, you can get your water sample, see how many phytoplankton are there for that region at that particular time and place. What satellites give you is a synoptic view of the distribution of phytoplankton over the whole globe. So this allows us to put our ship observations into a global context. And because these satellites are orbiting continuously, we're able to see changes in the phytoplankton communities on a daily basis globally. So this provides us with a new view of how uh, phytoplankton distributions change. And one of the objectives of my research is to look at those global maps of chlorophyll biomass that we monitor from remote sensing and to try and convert that into a map of ocean photosynthesis or primary productivity, so how much carbon's being fixed. And it's very important because it varies so much spatially and temporally due to the abundance of the phytoplankton, so that's what remote sensing can provide us with. So it sounds like this is a very much a team uh, effort. And can you just tell us a little bit about how your research works in the sense that you've got the remote sensing, you've got the, the um, what do you call them, the, the, the sort of ocean lab, and you've, we've got a lab here in Oxford. So how, how, does, how does it work? And if, if I were a student in your lab, what would I be doing? Okay. So... Usually most of my PhD students start by participating in an oceanographic expedition. So this provides you with hands-on understanding of, of the, the details of the phytoplankton communities, the dominant um, phytoplankton types, their diversity. We can measure their photosynthetic rates. We then can take parameters from those experiments and try and apply them to uh, models that incorporate remote sensing data and some of the physiological data we collect on ships. And this can therefore be used to convert maps of, from satellites into maps of particular things we're interested in, such as rates of photosynthesis or perhaps retrieval of certain types of phytoplankton that have unique optical signatures that we might be able to extract from the satellite signal. So we start with ship observations and then try and extrapolate over, over a larger scale using the satellite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I should also say that in addition to the measurements we make, because oceanography is a multidisciplinary field, in order to interpret our data, we rely on data collected by many other scientists on the expedition. It's very much a team effort to try and understand the physics, the chemistry, and the biology, and how they interact, because that's the only way we can really interpret 
um, the things we see from the satellite. So students who work with you have to really be familiar with a wide range of methodologies and have to be very mathematical as a very as well as very biologically uh, yes. oriented. Well, some of them have different projects. So some of them deal more with remote sensing. Others deal more with the, um, the, the shipboard observations and experiments. And some projects combine the two. It, it kind of depends on the student and their interest and their strengths. Uh, but I, I have think heard that some students are interested in polar bears. Do you yeah. know <laughs> polar bears on these expeditions? Yes. Yeah, so um, the last expedition I went on with a, a graduate student, um, we went up to the Arctic uh, off Svalbard. And we were fortunate enough to sample on an ice flow. So we basically moor the, the ship, anchor the ship next to a large piece of ice. And we do sampling on the sea ice. And of course, polar bears inevitably become curious and come up to the ship and check us out and check out our equipment. So it's a quite an interesting um, exercise of, of trying to, to interact with um, nature and, and trying to get the science done at the same time respecting the polar bear's habitat. So it's a bit of a, a compromise when we're out there. <laughs> Sounds very exciting. Uh, so what next for your research? So um, right now we are um, basically wrapping up a, a series of expeditions uh, from both the Arctic, the Southern Ocean, and the South Atlantic, and putting those data together in a, in a larger context to, to look at uh, phytoplankton, community structure, and physiology in high latitude conditions in very undersampled regions of the ocean. We're hoping to go again to the Arctic this summer and follow up on some of our uh, experiments, this time probing more into looking at phytoplankton physiology using both conventional methods of uh, measuring photosynthesis by isotope enrichment experiments, which is a very technical term by basically adding labeled carbon to our uh, introducing that to the phytoplankton and seeing how much they take up so we get the photosynthetic rate. And then comparing that with new methods of trying to probe their physiology using fluorescence, which is something that we can do in situ um, on a variety of different platforms, not just um, on discrete water samples, but we can put them on moorings, we can put them on, on autonomous vehicles and survey their physiology under sea ice in different conditions in a kind of a, a more um, uh, unmanned and um, uh, over large spatial and temporal scales. So that's what you're seeking funding for, no doubt. Yes. OK, well, thank you very much for talking to me. OK. And uh, I think your research sounds uh, extremely interesting and obviously very important uh, in terms of um, how we think about uh, the environment and, and, and our concerns about um, uh, climate change. Um, but I've always wanted to speak to an oceanographer. So <laughs> thank you very much indeed.